0: If you have your Bibles, would you open to Romans 8, please? Brother Ben was going to preach a, a message called A Greater Than Solomon Is Here uh, from Matthew 12 42. Um, and hopefully, we'll get to hear him preach that message uh, soon. But the Lord I sat down last night and prayed, prayed. Jennifer and I prayed together on the bed, uh, just sitting there thinking, Man, I prayed. I was walking the boys around the neighborhood, they were riding their bikes. and. Just trying to think, man. Um, God, what is it that you, who this didn't catch off guard, would have me to say? And um, and I believe that this is it. Um, I was gone the entirety of this last week, got back Thursday evening uh, to a spiritual retreat. And it was sponsored by John Brown University. In fact, Dr. Gary Oliver uh, was the, uh, the, the professor of the... Uh, man who was mentoring and hosting it. Uh, There were six men who are in ministry of some form from uh, states all around us, uh, from Bellevue Baptist Church, from Branson, Missouri, from Elmdale, uh, down the street, uh, myself, um, just different men. And it was such a, a strange place for me to meet because it was at the monastery, the abbey in Subiaco, at the Subiaco Academy. And of course, you guys know that that's a Catholic monastery. It's a Benedictine uh, monastery, and um, they believe much differently than we do. Uh, but it was a quiet and a sacred place. It really was. And we weren't allowed to have our phones, uh, which was very difficult. Uh, <laughs> try. Try it, okay? Uh, fast from your phone for uh, a day. You know, use it just to uh, leave it in your room and go back at night to check it, and you'll feel my pain. Um, I get a report a phone report about usage time every Sunday morning as I'm as I'm in the office and uh, my report this week was negligible and it's never been that way before but it was something else and so um, I've got some making up to do some things to catch up on but um, I I thought about the things that we learned and we had a lot of quiet time one of the emphases was silence and uh, be quiet be still and so we would have moments where we would just go, either on campus or into the, uh, into the, the monastery there or wherever it may be. And all that you could hear was birdsong. You could hear some cows lowing because it's all country farmland around there. You could hear the wind kind of rustling through the leaves. And there was no other noise. And one of the things that God kind of was showing me in that was everything that's noise is man-made. There weren't any trains, there weren't any diesels, no jake brakes, there was no music playing, there was no stuff, there was nobody griping, there was nobody saying anything, it was just you and the Spirit. And if you get in that place, it's not easy, okay, to hear from the Lord, because I remember we were given four hours, we, we drove up to magazine, Mount Magazine, and we're up on top of the mountain, and... Um, I sat down in this little cleft of the rock. There was a little place way up there. In fact, I was so quiet and still, and I was sitting there pondering and journaling and reading scriptures that three buzzards started uh, circling overhead. No joke. And I knew they were buzzards because I could see their faces. And uh, I was like, hey, don't eat me, you know. And I picked up a rock because I could have hit one of them with a rock, I guarantee. uh, They were that close. But anyway... Uh, what I found was that for about 45 minutes, it was like, sweet, man, this is great. I'm in, I'm in the Bible. I was in the Psalms. I was kind of writing down some thoughts and some ideas. One of the things I was writing is, what's the difference between, between being transparent and being genuine? And I felt like the Lord was just speaking into my life. And then after about 45 minutes, it was like, you're no longer spiritual, okay? I was looking at rocks. I was thinking if there was going to be a snake come out, uh, I, I was trying to figure out what kind of trees these were those little helicopter things that you could throw up and they spin Were beside me and I mean it was non-spiritual, okay, and uh, I was like, man, I feel like uh, Not 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 like a pastor supposed to feel when you've got quiet time alone with God but uh, then after about 45 more minutes, I, I pressed back in and uh got back in the Word, and just started praying. And, you know, for four hours, just think about that. Have you spent a four-hour stretch where it's just you, quiet Bible, and God? And it's not easy, okay? But it should be natural to us, yet we don't often get that time. And so, I wasn't preparing for a message this week. Um, I knew Brother Ben had it, and Brother Brian did a great job last week uh, preaching, and the wonderful work of salvation that he's done, and Charlie's heart and just the things that God is doing. But as I contemplated and sat down last night, I don't take this stuff lightly ever at all because this is God's word. But the thing that kept echoing in my heart and my head was what was going on with Ben. And um, so I said this statement earlier in the prayer that nothing catches God off guard. The reason for that is because he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's seen the beginning from the end, eternity past to eternity present. He knew where you would be this morning. He knew what would be going on in your life right now. He knew that Ben would be in the hospital this morning. It's just that sometimes he has a bad habit of not letting us in on everything that he's doing, right? And so um, the message this morning is really more than anything about God's sovereignty and omniscience. And uh, I want to read the scripture with you. Now, know this, I I preach out of the English Standard version of the Bible. I study out of the King James, out of the English Standard, out of the New American Standard, and often I'll cross-reference in the NIV and the NLT, too, because I want to get a full picture and be able to help explain what's going on. I'm a teaching pastor, uh, and I love to teach and try to break down the Word of God so that you understand it, too. And so we're going to have the ESV on the screen. Did you get that? Because it was late notice. Uh... If you've got Romans 8, verse 17, throw it up there. And that's a wonderful quote, but they don't need to see that yet, okay? Uh, If you've got your Bibles, you can read. Uh, If if not, just listen, okay? I took five different translations and spent time trying to put them in something that would maybe speak to your heart. So this is kind of the... AMV, the Aaron Matthews version of this. But listen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For all creation, that's not just you, and that's not just humanity. He's talking about the expanse of it all. Everything in the sphere of God created... Everything that God made is included here. And if it wasn't made, He didn't make it. If He didn't allow us the materials to make it, all creation waits with eager longing and earnest expectation for the revealing of the sons of God. Against its will, all creation was subjected to, by God to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children, that's us, in glorious freedom from death and decay, set free from its bondage to corruption along with us as believers. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains or pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Amen? We too wait with eager hope, just like creation's doing, for the day when God will give us our full redemption and glorification as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Now get this, the moment of salvation, the promise of God, the seal of the Holy Spirit, the hope that is within you, that is supernatural, was put in you at the moment of salvation. And so, it, 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 it's, this is a paraphrase, but if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. And, and we can get confused right there in the words we already have the promise of God. We already have the victory of Christ. We already have the redemption, the salvation. The things that we're looking forward to are the glorification, the reunion with God, the eternal worship, the lamb's table, the supper with the lamb, being rekindled with our loved ones, having glorified bodies and, and, and being with the Lord in his presence at all times. Those are things that we're still hoping for. But we have all the promises right now. And so he's saying if we look forward to something that we don't have right now, our only lot in life is to wait patiently and confidently for it to happen, for God to do it. And so, likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us, with groanings too deep for words. Mere human words aren't adequate to express some of the anguish and grief and pain we feel, and yet the Holy Spirit's right there to be our translator and taking it before the the Lord. And our Father who knows and searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. To put that last sentence a different way, The Holy Spirit pleads for us as believers in harmony with God's will for us. Unreal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning more than anything else that people take away a sense of security in you. Lord, this world is chaos and darkness and evil. It is unsurity. It is uh, sometimes fear, maybe depression for some, anxiety for others. For some, Lord, it's just, a, it's just a slide kind of into the inevitable. We get old, we pay taxes, we die, who cares what happens. For some of us, Lord God, it's, um, it's facing the reality of aging and the aging process and that we have fewer years before us than we have behind us. For some of us, Lord, it's uh, wondering if we're raising kids the right way, if we're doing a decent job at least as we struggle and, and kind of trip forward in this stuff. For others of us, God, it's just a concern for our loved ones who are suffering and struggling. Some of us want our children back in church and some of us are, 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 are taking care of aging parents and, and ill people around us and, and husbands and spouses and sons even. And yet, God, in the middle of all of this, I pray that Your people are saturated with the faith and knowledge, the promise and security that the Holy Spirit fills us up. And even if we can't speak it or verbalize it, that He is making this plea before You. And that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession. And that You, God, are in control of everything from our lives to the creation around us, and that we are safe in You. And that You are holy and awesome and good. And that we don't have to run to try to find the answer on our own. But all we have to do is to turn to You, to fall before You, to press into You, to cry out to You. And You hear and You love us. And You draw us close onto your lap, into your arms as our Abba. And we love you for it, God. We pray for peace and security, Lord God, but we also pray that you would shake us up to be able to do new things and get out of comfort zones to do more for the kingdom. Lord, we we ask, not just me asks, but we ask that you would do these things and receive glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's a uh, uh, there's a quote from a Dutch theologian that I want to share with you Um, His name's Abraham Kuyper Abraham Kuyper uh, Said this quote in 1880. It's one of his most famous quotes Um, He would later on become I think it's from 1900 to 1905 or 1906 He was the prime minister of the Netherlands and so he was a theologian. He was a politician um, And he seemed to balance those things pretty well but He speaks into this idea about sovereignty. There is not a square inch. That's not very big. There's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. You're mine, your problems are mine, your job is mine, your kids are mine, your parents are mine, your home, your vehicle, all of your possessions are mine. The earth, the mountains, the things that you can't claim, the skies, the clouds, the sun, that beyond our reach out of this atmosphere, mine. It's His. He owns it, He cares about it, He created it. And so He's involved in it still. And where we come with this, and I hope it comforts your heart today, and helps you to reassess and realign, Man, I'm worrying over ant hills. And I'm not to diminish your worry or your problems, but in the grand scheme of things, God has it. And so all of life, all your work or your school, all you do for pleasure, everything that you are in every domain of life belongs to Christ. Nothing is foreign to him. Nothing is outside his reach. You can't get in a well deep enough or a cave far enough back that he's not there and present. Nothing is cut off from him. The hidden things that you do, the secret sins, the thoughts, it's all his. All of life, culture, politics, and human affairs belongs to him. The one who is working toward the restoration of all things has a hand And an interest in it all. And you think, man, the world's spiraling out of control. I can't stand this president. I don't like Congress. Our governor's doing a bad job. Did you hear what those people did to that police officer? Can you imagine those riots? Did you hear what's going on over in China? What about the stock market? What about me? Did you know the diagnosis that I just got? Do you know how lonely I am? Did you know what happened to my brother? Do you know what's going on over here? And man, guys, if you watch the news for even a few minutes, all this lands on you. And it crushes you and it perplexes you. And it beats you down and you get this feeling that God isn't sovereign, that the world is in control, and that the devil's winning, and that you're losing, and it's all gonna go badly for you. And that's a secular way of thinking, not for the Christian, but guys, Christians get sucked into this every day. He's working toward the restoration of all things. The Lord Jesus is interested in earthly affairs, and what this means for you and I is that he's involved with everything get this that affects you that concerns you and that pertains to you And you may be like man some things are too small I don't think so I think God is intricately involved in the most minute details the minutia of your life when your tooth hurts and you can't even handle it or think straight or see straight and your head is aching because of it or you can't sleep at night and all that fills your pillow is tears, when you're worrying about your kids, or your loved one that's being deployed overseas, or the job is on the line, or anything else, guys. And I have to close my eyes to even grasp it in my head. I can't. Everything, everyone, not just you, everyone, everywhere, it's all under him everything that affects you concerns you and pertains to you your work, your environment, your family, your emotions your faith, and the whole of your life and he is the lord of it and I wonder guys if you surrendered your life to the lord of it and you say man I've got a job transition coming up man I'm about to have an empty nest man I I I, I don't know what to do next I, I got a call about a job the other day do I take it? I I got a call about my health from the doctor. Do I go through with the radiation, or do I stay here and try to faith it out? Do I move in with my parents who are aging and sickly, or do I just stay here and try to help provide for them the best I can from here? What do I do? And you know what, if you haven't taken it to God, there's a lack of faith for one thing, but you're also not inviting Him in for Him to handle it. Because you were never designed to handle it all by yourself. No part of human existence is foreign to Christ. He's tied up with and in your life. As the lover of your soul, he's in it. He's working through it. He's working all things together for your good, which is also in Romans 8. Look at verses 28 and 29. And he's living in you, out of you, and through you. While you are living in, out of, and through your everyday existence. Now think about that for a second. You wake up in the morning. Now I wonder if you sometimes get a little convicted when you think about God's always with you. He's never left you, he's never forsaken you, he's never moved, he's never not been faithful, there's never been prayers being prayed in intercession for you in heaven. There's never been a moment where his eye has been off of you or you aren't the apple of his eye. And yet I wonder how many times you and I even think about God or surrender to God or draw close to God and that's not to make you feel guilty it's to make you understand that you've got an all-sovereign all-knowing God who's intricately involved in every detail of every second of every breath of every day and yet so often we don't even think about him. The whole domain of your life even those very small areas of your life even as small as the width of of a thumb are meaningful and claimed by Christ. He stuck his flag in the top of that mountain of your life and everything that's around it. And so Kuiper, we're talking about a square inch, and I, I didn't know this, but we get this idea, this terminology. Uh, the source of it is a one inch measurement, and it used to be measured by the human thumb or thumb width. And You think about this, even something as small and seemingly as insignificant as a human thumb is important to God, along with the whole of our existence. There's not a thumb width in the whole domain of humanity over which Christ does not claim ownership everyday human beings and our human doings. And guys, I think sometimes we get the cart before the horse. Sometimes we measure ourselves and find our self-worth on the things we do. But we're not human doings. We're human beings. Our being is wrapped up in Jesus. We're not what we do. We're not the accolades and the trophies that we've received, the titles and the positions that we've attained, the money that we make, the neighborhood we live in, the car we drive, the clothes we wear. We are His and His alone. We're beings, not doings. Don't let the doings define you surrender and submit to God because above all things you are his beloved child and so you remember this it's all connected with the Lord if God knows when a sparrow falls from the sky do you honestly think that he doesn't care about or is not concerned with what's going on in your life it all belongs to Christ all of you belongs to Christ all that affects you is under Christ, and there is nothing too hard or above Christ. He's in complete control of it all as the Lord of all. Now, there was something that happened when Adam and Eve fell. The ruin and destruction that was brought about by sin in the fall did not transfer ownership of human existence out of the hands of God. A lot of people think, well, with the sin and Satan's called the Lord of this earth or the Lord of the air, that Satan's in control of it all. Satan's never been in control of it all. He has no rightful ownership claim to anything made by God's hands or even anything made by human hands. He's a usurper, a deceiver, an accuser. And yet Satan is very much contesting the ownership of everything that God has made and everything God has said is good and everything that God loves And he's working right now in your life to undermine everything. To whisper lies to you, to trick you, to deceive you, to fool you, to get you away from God, to not do redemptive work, to not live for the glory of God, to not obey God, to not assemble with God's people, to not speak the praises of God, to not read the word of God, to not pray to God. Satan's trying everything in his path to keep you from the redemptive plan and purpose of God. It's Christ Almighty. Who is the Lord, and He makes the ownership claim. And guys, that should be a reason for our rejoicing. We may hope that our work has at least some contribution to it all. Man, God, didn't, didn't I get a little bit of the credit for for helping lead somebody to Jesus? Uh, didn't I redeem something? Didn't I didn't I plant a tree on Earth Day? Didn't I do something good, God, to help bring the process and make it better? And the answer is no. It's all Him. He can do it with or without me, but he invites us to be a part of the beauty and glory of it all, to participate in it. And here it is. All we have to do is to acknowledge the rightfulness of his claim. God owns you. You were bought at a price, therefore you are not your own. And guys, I think we forget that and we want to say, well, I'm a little bit my own. I make my own decisions. I chose to wear a sweater today instead of a, a suit and tie, you know, and now I'm hot because of it. And it's supposed to be 74 degrees today, which I looked at after the fact, okay? Um, we like to say, man, I made some of the decisions. I did some of the good. I did some of the things. Man, that's stealing glory away from God. You may say, well, I made those kids. My mama started saying after she got saved, she used to say, well, it was, I raised those boys. My dad was gone a lot. But then she started saying after she got saved, me and God raised those boys. And I wish she'd start saying, God raised those boys, and I was their mama, you know. Uh, Because I'm realizing that a lot more as we're raising kids too. Um, We're just supposed to do our best to acknowledge that he's the rightful owner. To just bow down before him. I mean, get on your face and your knees sometimes to remember your place. Because you were redeemed as a worm. You were a scallywag, a rascal, a nothing, a no good, uh, dead in your trespasses and sin. And sometimes there's brokenness in our life, and it's sad that it's only the brokenness that causes me to get on my face before God. Sometimes I just need to, out of sheer sure joy get on my face before God and remember what He redeemed me from. We're to try our best to live in accordance with His commandments. We're not mutual owners or redeemers of anything in creation. We're but simple stewards Put in charge of our lot in life and called to be faithful with it, holding it loosely and surrendering it all to him. Omniscience, it's a big theological word, but it's defined simply as the quality or ability to know everything. And, um, you know, parents of teenagers, I'm sorry, because we've all been teenagers and maybe you were a good good kid, but even good kids thought they knew more than their parents, all right? Um, we have to have that beaten out of us a little bit in life. Uh, but I think sometimes even four-year-olds think that they know everything. And we have this really strange ability as people to think that I know best for me. I know what affects me. I know that I should do this and shouldn't do this. And I can make my own decisions. And really, I can become dependent from God. I'm just doing my thing. Well, here's the deal. For God to be sovereign over his creation, whether it's visible or invisible, whether we can see it or we can't see it, he has to be all-knowing. He's either sovereign over all or he's not sovereign at all. Think about that. He's either sovereign over all your mess and all your junk and all your warts and all your worries, or he's not sovereign at all. He's got to be one or the other. And he's worthy of giving it all to and not just holding a few things back and saying, you know what, this one's mine. This problem I don't think you can solve. I'll take care of it. No, bring it all before the throne and lay it there and say, man, God, it's all you. All you. I need every bit of help I can get. God knows everything. Listen to the words of 1 John 3, 20. Even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. He knows the most minute details of our lives, but he also knows those same little details about everyone and everything around us. You've got a problem person at work? Everybody does. I mean, i got a bunch of them at this work, okay? Okay. Here's the deal. On any given day, I may cross paths with a person. I may see a a church member, or a friend, or or an acquaintance, or a neighbor as I'm pulling out of the driveway at home. And God knows all my stuff, and He knows everything that's worrying me, and what I've got going on that day, and the things that I'm I'm like, man, I got a list, I got to do this. But He knows it about them too, and you don't. And you know, uh, there's a saying that says, uh, "Give mercy," because everybody that you meet's fighting a hard battle, right? And we don't know their battles. We don't know the junk that's going on. We don't know about the wreck two miles up the road. God sees and knows it all. Why is it important to trust him? Because if I'm trusting him and walking step in step with him, all the stuff that I meet in my life, all the problems that I face, all the things that are unexpected, the accidents of life, the difficult person at work, the sad person at work, the bad person, that you come home to the the frustrated person that you may come home to at the end of the day or the the zonked person the tired person man God will help prepare you for all of that since he's already seen it and knows it you just need to get with him Matthew 10 verses 29 to 30 what is the price of two sparrows isn't it one copper coin some of our translations say a penny but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Man, I think about all those ducks I've killed throughout the years. Man, I kind of feel bad about this one. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. In other words, God knows when an inconsequential little bird dies, and he knows when you lose a hair from your head. And again, for some of y'all, that's, that's not that hard, okay? Because uh, you got none. Not only does God know everything that will occur until the end of history itself, but he also knows our very thoughts even before we speak them. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Listen to it. Remember the former things of old, the stuff that happened long ago. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and ancient times from what is still to come. I say my counsel or purpose will stand in all my good pleasure, I will accomplish. That's a definite. Psalm 139, 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. In other words, you know what I'm going to say before I even say it, Lord. God knows your heart from long ago, but get this, guys. He knows it now, and he knows it tomorrow. God knows your heart from far away, but guess what? He knows it intimately, and he knows it near. He knows your heart completely. This is your God. He even saw you as he created you in his mother's womb. And you ask, are you pro-life or pro-choice? I'm pro-life all the way. I'm pro-life. Because God created in the womb. Listen to what Psalm 139, to 15 to 16 says. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have examined my heart and know everything about me. Those things in parentheses are the explanation here. You know when I sit down, and when I rise up, you discern or perceive or know intimately my thoughts from afar, even when I'm far away. You search out my path when I travel. And you know my lying down to rest at home. You're acquainted with all of my ways. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth or the dark of the womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, my body. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Every moment of all my days was laid out before a single day had passed or come to be. It's very easy and hypocritical of a living human being to be able to say that a life doesn't matter when our lives, we want to matter. God has given us life. He has a plan and a purpose. Now any aborted baby, any little baby that died, I believe with all of my heart from the, the, the sacredness of scripture that they are safe in the arms of God. But how sad. And it's not just abortion. That's, that's one sinful thing. And I believe that it is, um, is awful. It's the genocide of our generation but there are so many other little things where we devalue ourselves and devalue others and criticize and complain and hold views that are contrary, I think, to what God thinks and sees about us. Solomon expressed this truth. Solomon was a, the wisest of all men, but he's also the dumbest too, right? Um, what an irony. He said in First Kings eight thirty nine. For you, you only, know the hearts of all the children of mankind. Guys, there's nothing too hard for an omniscient, all-knowing God. Faith in God causes us to be able to rest securely in Him, knowing that His promises never fail. Has He ever failed you? And you may say, but this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Did He not have a purpose and a plan for it? Are you not still breathing? Do you not still have a glorious hope? And he's never failed and he's never going to. As long as we continue in God, guys, I really believe that we may face failures in this life and we may fall short, but we won't fail in the grand scheme of glorifying him and being redeemed by him. And that has nothing to do with us. We're securely in the arms of God. God's known you from eternity, even before creation. He knew you and me and where we would appear in the course of time and whom we would interact with and what the names of our kids would be. He even foresaw our sin and all its ugliness and depravity. He knows what you've done. He knows what you thought. He knows where you've been. He knows who you've hurt. He knows how you've abandoned and all the things that you've done. And yet in love, He still set His seal upon us and drew us to that love in Jesus Christ. So there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God who knows your heart. Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6. Then I'll, I'll make one more statement. I hope you guys haven't checked out and that you're still trekking. Not listening to me, listen to the Spirit speaking to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. For he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in his presence. In love, he predestined for us adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose and good pleasure of his will. That is, God wanted to do this and it gave him great pleasure to know and to say and to set His seal and calling upon you. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His beloved Son. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us. When's the last time you just stopped and you praised God? My, oh my gosh, man. It might just be because uh, you, you, you got, I got one this morning. It's been a busy last 14 hours friend of mine, a good friend of mine, worked with him for about six years. Um, He was one of my groomsmen in our wedding. And uh, I just lost touch with him over the last probably two, three years. And he just sent me a text this morning. And man, it made me smile. And I think, man, even in that, God, thank you for the rekindling of A relationship to let us know that we can still express and pick right back where we were. Little bitty things, look for them. The old hymn, Count Your Many Blessings, See What God Has Done. Count Your Many Blessings, Name them one by one. If Christ is really Lord of anything, He is Lord of everything. The Lordship implies our goal as Christians is to do the Lord's work in the Lord's way with humility and dependence upon Him so that we can live out this reality. We have to recognize that we're in constant need. We leak, guys. We're leaky vessels. There's a lot of cracks, self-inflicted cracks in these jars of clay. But the Lord heals them, seals them, and keeps using us with that treasure still inside. And so, guys, we may need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again this morning. I'm not talking about something crazy. I'm not talking about, hey, you have to speak in tongues if you're supposed to be saved. I'm not talking about some charismatic gift. I'm just saying, guys, it may be that it's been a minute since you refueled at the throne of grace and asked God to fill you up with his spirit. He says in John 15, For apart from me you can do nothing. Have you been doing a whole lot of nothing lately? Have you been treading water, spinning your wheels, going hard at it, but not making a lot of spiritual progress? It may be time this morning to surrender. It may be time to recognize that God's in control. Man, you can take a deep breath and take this backpack off, and you can lay it down at the feet of God and say, here, I can't carry this anymore, and he'll take up your burden. Consider as we pray. Heavenly Father, Maybe right now there's a man or a woman or a boy or a girl that um, has really been struggling. Maybe they've been rolling around in the mire and filth of this world. Maybe they've been dabbling in some stuff that uh, has really disappointed you and displeased you. Maybe right now, God, there's somebody here, and there's probably several of us, who've kind of taken over the mantle of being Lord of our own lives. We just hadn't laid it down. There's too much pride involved. I pray this morning, God, that you would break us of pride. You don't deal in guilt and in shaming us, but you certainly do deal in convicting us so that we can be blessed and victorious. This morning, God, we want to claim the victory that's ours in Jesus. You said that we are over conquerors. That we don't have to go around being mad at everybody all the time. We don't have to go around worrying about what's happening happening in Washington and what's happening next door and what's happening with our, our family and everything else in the world, Lord. It's not our burden to carry if we've truly trusted you. The little details of life, God, You're in those. When and how stuff gets worked out, you're in those. I pray that we don't make it a test of fellowship. That we don't call out people as our enemies just because things aren't going our way. I pray, Father, that there's just a surrender this morning and that there's also a picking up of hope. We came to your house, we heard your word. We read your scriptures, we sang you praise. We a amongst fellow brothers and sisters. We were worked on and worked with by the Holy Spirit. We looked up to Jesus, your son, and we thanked you. And we walk away from this place with a greater understanding and renewal of our minds. That it's yours. I don't have to worry so much. I don't have to want everything I see. I don't have to lie to myself and others. And I certainly don't have to lie to you. I'm enough in Jesus. I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being. And you are the lover of my soul, warts and wrinkles and all. But you don't want to leave us in our sin, God. So heal us and help us this morning, God, to walk out of here healthier and stronger and better And we surrender to you this morning everything that we need to. And we pray for help in surrendering the rest. And we trust you. And we love you. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.